back to Modern Enlightenment. This is episode three. I am here with Catherine today. Catherine, say hi. Hi. And we are going to talk about the relationships that we can create with food and having a better understanding around those relationships so you can actually make better decisions. You can determine what kind of diets are going to work for you. Um, just overall better awareness and consciousness of, well, the food that you're taking in, why you're taking it in, and how you can actually create better habits for yourself. Before we get into this, though, I want to actually talk about the history of the food, just kind of how we've gotten here, how we've evolved into this type, uh, this way of eating in, the, in our society specifically. One major shift here is that eating food in an abundance was a, was a luxury. One way to look at it was kings and queens were basically the most highly ranked person and you know whatever land that they're ruling and they would have access to the most foods and they would have access to the best foods they would have the fruit they would have the the meats uh, the cheeses the wine of course whatever it is and they would have an abundance of it everybody else they would be scarce they would be eating bread whatever they can get their hands on clearly the switch here is that we have an abundance wherever we want whenever we want, and we have access, yes, anywhere we go, right? Anything that we want. Honestly, even during times like right now, we have this um, coronavirus going out and people are getting locked out. Stores are getting, you know, sold out for, you know, the majority part, but we still have access to more food than so many countries around the world. There are tribes, for the example, that eat spiders like spiders are one of their main sources of food <laughs> um, of course you know people that are hunting rats um, mice um, bats anything in their area that they can get their hands on they're going to eat so of course this is way dramatic and way different than our society but point to make to see how abundant everything is here and we have access to everything which is great but it's also bad of course with so much power comes great responsibility, right? So that's our main issue. That's why this country is, I think it's at the point now to where it's almost 50% obese. It's very close, very close. People in this country are obese. It's, it's very close to 50%. Yeah, so. I mean, even think about it now with the coronavirus going on, we can still go get Chipotle. Oh yeah, that too. I mean, they're, you know, shutting down restaurants, but carry out still available. So really, we still have access to pretty much every food that we have on a normal basis anyways. Yeah, God forbid our drive throughs get shut down. But soft commodities as well, like corn, grains, um, coffee beans, sugar, all of these things have become in abundance as well, right? So uh, we were actually watching a documentary on the sugar itself and how crazy the life of sugar has been since they learned that they could mass produce it. Sugar is actually, it's a very corrupt food source. It's um, like modern day slavery. Yeah, it's still going on and it has been ever since it was started. Um, it's honestly very, very crazy. I would uh, recommend watching that on Netflix. It's under the documentary series called Rotten and uh, it just talks about basically how political sugar is and how much the US actually controls sugar um, they buy up mass quantities of it and let's say that sugar is being developed 
uh, in high quantities and it's easily accessible, the U.S. government will actually buy up that sugar and hold it to themselves because it controls the market. It controls the price of the sugar. Pretty much every farm that is growing sugar is running some sort of slavery labor um, because workforce. They can. Yeah, because they can't. They, it's they they can't stop them right now because of the people that are backing, because of the people that are backing these farms, and that's where where the money is coming from. Um, it's insane, and I think we all know that sugar is used way too much. It's in everything and highly addicting. But I think after we watched that, I said I don't want to eat sugar anymore. Well, yeah, it makes you feel bad about eating it, knowing the people that are cutting away at the you know at the canes of sugar like literally wasting their life away chopping their own limbs off on accident with machetes and just essentially be... living in a plantation yeah they live terrible living conditions they live on the plantations it's they get paid zero to nothing to do this but anyways um yeah like like i said it's it's crazy how these you know soft commodities are just now in abundance you know coffee beans are another thing and how corrupt it is as well just one place to mention Starbucks, how much coffee goes through that place. But you have to think about the sources there, where the, where the coffee's coming from, the people that have to actually get it to us. I mean, those are the people that are actually, you know, throwing their lives away because they have to. They're working for the penny, and we're here just sipping on the coffee because, well, for pleasure. Anyways, way to think about food and just how we've got here is, is a little crazy. How we used to be, I mean, every human used to be a hunter and gatherer. You know, we had to find our own food. We had to cook our own food. There was no way around it. Eating plants, fruits, uh, animals, that was it. But we had to find them. Actually, much healthier way of living and eating. But now, now we don't do anything. We don't have to move, honestly. We can order food yeah. straight to our house. Walk three feet, pick it up, go back to the couch and eat. Uh, whatever we want. I mean, even think about it like 50, 60, 70 years ago, people were still using very natural resources less processed foods and then processed foods started happening yeah 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 yeah. i mean that is true as well just what we've done to create the abundance you know it's not just normal farming anymore it's not the agricultural world is not natural anymore you know we have so many people to feed and of course the way we eat we eat more than what we need so the chickens and the cows and all, everything that we have to grow is now being manipulated in some sort of way so we can mass produce it, um, which is not healthy because it's putting it into our body. You know, whether it's a GMO product, which, you know, is a controversial topic, but either way, I mean, you got the antibiotics and the hormones that are being put in other stuff. Pesticides are out of control. If you don't know how bad pesticides actually are, you need to look that up because you should be cleaning your fruits and your vegetables much better than what you probably are. You need to actually get them off of your produce before you eat it. Just rinsing them off of water with water does not actually do anything. Um, And that is cancer causing chemicals. So that is something that you should look into. If you eat fruits and vegetables, you need to clean those off properly. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get into this a little bit then. Let's talk about the nourishment versus pleasure aspect here. Um, Catherine, just off the top of your head, currently would you say, are you more on the scale of eating for nourishment or for pleasure? At this moment in time, nourishment. 
but that's not always been the case. Okay. Um, I think that's still an ongoing battle. I say a battle because making that switch from changing your mindset from eating for pleasure and eating for nourishment is just an education process. Yeah, I mean, yeah, education is a huge part of it because you got to know what's bad for you, right? Mm-hmm. What's good for you. And our diet culture is so extreme that, you know, how I started learning about how to fuel my body properly was through diets, but I don't necessarily think that that is the correct way. And that's something else that we get into as well as how you can figure out what kind of dieting works for you. Um, Because, well, sometimes diets don't work actually at all. Like you said, our diet culture is crazy. So there's a lot of different kinds of cultures or diets that you can do and jumping onto one to the other can actually just mess you up and throw you off completely or make you way worse off than what you were in the beginning mentally and well physically on the inside because you've thrown off your metabolism or something like that so what kind of diets have you tried in the past i have tried keto i've tried anywhere from paleo whole 30 everything how long did you do the whole 30 uh, probably off and on. Yeah, that's a tough one though. What was the hardest one? Probably that for sure. Yeah. Keto was definitely the easiest and got the best results, but it was fleeting. Right. All like, the weight that I lost, I gained it right back. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too far into this, but keto can be good for some people, but it's typically just that huge drop off of carbs in the upfront in the beginning phase of your diet you get you lose a lot of weight whether it's a lot of water late um, or whatever uh, so you know it could be one one to three months you can lose quite a bit of weight up front sometimes you lose losing a lot of muscle mass too though depending on how you are actually eating how much protein you're actually eating if you're not just eating an insane amount of fat just depends too exercise wise like a lot of people honestly don't even strength train anymore once they go keto because they don't they don't have the energy they get dizzy all kinds of stuff like that um because well glucose is a very essential part of brain function your brain can only function off of glucose there is no other energy source that it can run off of um if anybody wants to double check that they can but which I think is like a huge misconception when you talk about different diets and I'm not knocking any specific diet because if it works for you, it works for you. Like, great. No shaming that at all. But me specifically, when I did keto, I think it, it taught me a bad relationship with carbs because it was like, oh my God, don't eat carbs. They're so bad for you. And so it's taken a few years to actually be okay with eating carbs and not making myself feel guilty about it or having negative feelings towards eating rice or eating pasta, whole grain pasta. Yeah. Well, just let me throw this out there for everybody real quick. It is all about quantity for the most part when it comes to anything, any type of diet, any kind of person. It is all about what you need as an individual Uh, your metabolism, how much you weigh, how tall you are, if you're female, male, all of these things play a huge part on what your body is requiring for energy expenditure. So 
the daily amount that you need to take in will be a certain number. But then if you burn more calories by, let's say, working out or going to work, then you need more food on top of it. So many people undereat. As a personal trainer, for the majority, again, I'm going to say it, the people that I have worked with almost always are undereating. And it's crazy. They can't get it wrapped around their head. Um, a lot of times they're just in disbelief that they're undereating because, well, they think they should just be losing weight because they're undereating. That's not how the body works. Over time, if you've been undereating for a while, it's going to store fat. It's going to hold on to fat on purpose. It's your body as an organism doing what it does best and it's trying to survive. So it's storing that energy source as fat well, because you're not taking in enough food for it to run optimally as it wants to. So there's that. But let's go back to you here. Um, you said recently you've been eating more for nourishment. So what has changed recently for you to get on that type of way of thinking on food? You know, I think it's just what I want as my goals, like body goals. I've been strength training pretty consistently for a year plus now and I know with that comes a different way of thinking especially when it comes to food so in the past you know there would be times where I was either bored or sad or didn't feel good and you know it's super easy to run down the street and get Panda Express just because that sounds good, but that's not fueling your body. I don't know anybody who can confidently say that they eat Chinese food and feel 100% after they eat it <laughs> and want to go run a marathon or feel like it's giving them proper energy. Of course. To do anything. You know, whatever they want to call it, comfort food, whatever it is, it just tastes damn good. It tastes delicious and it's giving you that it's giving you that brief moment of satisfaction. It's 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 very brief though. Like it's one of the like to me personally, the way I see it is when you eat or drink something to pleasure yourself, you know, just to satisfy your taste buds, it is one of the fastest, most fleeting things that we can do for satisfaction. Like it goes away like that. And I can't think of anything that goes away quicker than that. I mean, a cigarette lasts longer than that. I mean, mm -hmm. most people having sex lasts longer than that. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah. So to me. But yet we still do it I know. and expect a different result. It's I know. literally the definition of insanity. Yeah, it is. It's mind boggling to me, honestly, the, how food is to us, how addicting it is, how easy we cave to it, how manipulated we are to eat certain foods. Just think about how many things are surrounded with food. You go on a first date. You're going out. You're going out to eat. You're going to a wedding. They feed you food. Yeah. You're going to a funeral. They feed you food. The movies. I mean, yeah, pretty much everything. It's social. It's you know, social family. Everything is surrounded by food. Oh yeah, it's ingrained to us now at this point. I mean, just think about how easy it is for us to get triggered by a commercial, some sort of advertisement. I mean, it can instantly trigger you to go out and get that right in the moment, whether it's like a Bud Light or a cheeseburger at McDonald's, or it can subconsciously plant it into your brain to get you to buy it later. Because you'll see that burger and you'll be like, oh yeah, McDonald's, mm, cool. 
two days later, you drive by McDonald's and you're like, oh, damn, that burger sounds good right now. And you don't even realize it was the commercial that actually still has that seed planted in your brain to get that burger. That stuff works incredibly well for these companies. <laughs> yeah, why do you think Super Bowl ads are so popular? Why that's such a coveted spot? The, the amount of money the companies can make on just one round like that is crazy. Doritos, I mean, come on. It's so easy. So yeah, back to how I switched my thinking from pleasure to nourishment has been self-teaching myself, but also over the past year, I have had a personal trainer who has helped me with that, and now I have Joseph that also helps me with that. He educates me a lot, or if I pick something up at the grocery store that I think is healthy, we actually turn it around and look at the nutrition facts on the back, and you can see it's either loaded up with sugar or loaded up with a ton of artificial ingredients that aren't actually healthy, so... You know, I think it's really important to educate yourself on what is in the food that you're actually eating. Even if it is 50 cents more expensive, it's really important. Uh, yeah, that's good. So I also want to go off of that real quick. Um, something that people need to understand is that these companies, not just food, I just want to throw this out there. Every company that is a multi-million dollar, billion dollar company, you know, let's say Coca-Cola, owns several other companies, right? I'm talking about these big companies, Kraft, etc. You know, these companies that make your most favorite yogurts or your whatever it is. So these big companies, you need to understand that they are deceiving you on purpose. Okay. They put very clever labels on stuff, very fancy pictures and colors to make them look like they're healthy foods. They make them look like they're organic all natural they'll say they're all natural they'll say they're organic whatever it is and then you just pick it up and you buy it because you think you're making a healthy choice for yourself which is great um, you know it's good to know that people are trying to make healthier choices but you're being deceived and duped a lot of the times unfortunately by these companies so you have to actually grab something turn it over and look at the ingredients don't just look at the nutrition facts how much fat and sugar and protein it has in it you need to look at the ingredients you need to see what it is actually made of a really good example is we were at the grocery store one time and I picked up organic chicken and I was like, yeah, this looks healthy. This is a good option. And then you're like, no, 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 this is not because if it doesn't say no antibiotics, no antibiotics, that means they could still be using them. So it's organic, but they're still shooting these chickens up with antibiotics, Yeah, which so is not in turn then not healthy for us because we are ingesting that yeah it just is that's just one example that you just have to be you just have to be more aware take a little bit more time when you're buying your stuff don't just grab something and throw it in your car if you care about what you put in your body which you should because you have this one vessel that was given to you for the one life that you have you should actually consider what you're putting in it so yeah that i mean that's one good thing is all these meats you know they, they'll say something like free range or grass-fed or organic which is great all of these things are important but you also have to make sure that it's saying everything else that you need to say or it needs to say like antibiotic free because now forced by law that they can't inject them with steroids anymore but they can still use antibiotics so you have to make sure that you're getting ones with no antibiotics 
But yeah, just, just check out the labels, look at the ingredients. And one of the biggest things that you can do to help yourself out is to Google it. Like if you run across an ingredient that you don't know what it is, Google it. It takes 10 seconds and you might find out that there's a cancer causing chemical in your food source. And you could, you just found it out in 10 seconds. There you go. Put it back and buy something else. Just start reading the labels more, but actually look into the ingredients and what it is made of. Not just the, the basic stuff that they want you to see. Okay, so now we're gonna get into the most important part here, the part that I actually, that's really fun to talk about. So you are either a moderator or you're an abstainer. And, it, and it's pretty much one of those two things. I don't really know of many people that can be both like 50-50, like you're either gonna be like 80% you know, of something or you're gonna be 100% of one of those. So anyways, what they are is a moderator is someone that can well, basically moderate what they're putting into their body. And I mean, this can be anything in life. It can be how much Netflix shows you're gonna watch. It can be smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, eating food. It's all of these things, anything in your life. A moderator is someone that can buy, let's say a 24 pack of soda, put it in their fridge and have self-control to not drink all of those in a week. They can have one a week if they choose so, okay? They, they can actually have self-control and moderate themselves. That's what a moderator is. They can sit down and watch one show of a very addicting Netflix series, right? And get up and be done. So an abstainer cannot do that though. They don't have the self-control um, in the ways that a moderator does. So if they bought that 24 pack of soda, an abstainer is probably going to lose some self-control with that soda during the week. They're probably gonna have more than they actually want to have because they now have it in their fridge and they have access to it. So the way an abstainer likes to live is to cut something out completely and they don't have an issue with that. They don't, they don't get anxiety about thinking of, you know, not having soda ever again in their life or not watching a Netflix show or cutting it halfway out through a series and just being done with it. But this is where it gets funny though because a moderator and an abstainer, they always argue with each other. They think that their one way is right. And from what I've seen, just from personal experience, I think moderators are more common. I don't meet many abstainers and I myself am actually an abstainer. So I've always had these conversations with people because I always hear things like, why don't you just live a little bit? You, you deserve to have this, you know, every now and then, or, you know, like, that sounds crazy, man. Like you're, you're crazy for, for doing that. Cause I'll just cut things out and I'll just be done. For example, Xbox. I saw myself playing a little bit too much Xbox when I had it. And I didn't like that because I had things that I needed to focus on other than Xbox. So I sold the Xbox. I said, no more Xbox, zero, cut it out, sold it. Same thing with my TV, took my TV out, no more TV. And it goes hand in hand with food. I'm not gonna buy something and I'm just gonna cut something out completely and then that's it. Because if I have it, it's gonna be a lot more stressful, it's gonna induce more anxiety, and it's gonna be harder for me to just want to control something. So it's just a better move for me to cut something out completely. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying like, I'm perfect, so I will never drink soda ever again in my life or anything like that. But the way that I'm going to moderate myself and have self-control is gonna be a much different way of going about it than a moderator is. A moderator is going to ensure that they have something still in their life and they are having control of it 
and they think they're going to have the self-discipline and they're going to do the best they can because they don't want to think about ever not having something ever again. An abstainer, uh, it's just much easier to think that I'm never going to have it again. So I'm going to cut it out for as long as I can and as much as I can. So if I ever do drink a soda again, that's fine. I'm going to drink one or two or whatever it is. And then I'm going to be like, all right, back to it, cut the shit back out. And then it's gone. And that's just how it needs to work for myself. That is the key thing here in this podcast I'm trying to get at for really not just food, but anything in your life, anything that you need to have self-control with to create new habits, um, anything that you need to have self-regulation with, you need to try to figure out what you are. Are you a moderator or are you an abstainer? Because if you don't know what you are, how are you going to go about making the decisions for yourself? You're, you could be battling your own mind or you could just have people in your life that is encourage you, encourage you, encouraging you the wrong way, but you don't really know what to do about that because you don't know how your mind is working. So, Catherine, are you a moderator or an abstainer? I'm definitely a moderator. Okay. Why would you say you're a moderator and not an abstainer? Uh, for the reasons that you just explained. I <laughs> I definitely enjoy some of the sweeter things in life. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say finer things in life or something sweeter. like that. Sweeter. I was trying to think of a different word. And then, see, for me, like, the way I am as an abstainer, I just, I don't even want to think about it like that. I'm like, no. That's not sweeter things about life. It's just a sweeter thing for your taste bud or something for a distraction and to feed your mind with some sort of entertainment. That's all this stuff really comes down to. I'm definitely to a point now where I'm self-aware that if I'm realistic about my goals and how I want to live my life and to be healthy and to fuel my body, that eating chocolate daily isn't going to get me there. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's like I said, though, it's funny, though, on how these two ideas or mindsets can differ for somebody because me, I'm like, don't buy the chocolate. Don't put it in your house. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have it. But then you're like, But for yeah. me, it's like a challenge almost. Yeah. Okay, put the chocolate in the house. Yeah. I can moderate how much I'm going to eat because, you know, sometimes don't you just get that craving after you eat something salty and you want, yeah. just want something sweet? Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool, though, that people can have these completely different ways of going about self-regulating, but people need to understand that. People really don't, because I'm telling you right now, as an abstainer, that's all I've ever heard. When I I cut something out or I tell someone, like, how I'm doing something, they always tell me, like, man, life just doesn't sound fun. Like, what are you doing? Like, that doesn't sound good. But I totally get it. I totally get it from, like, my perspective because... I want to go to a wedding and eat wedding cake, you know? And I know that eating wedding cake one day out of how many isn't going to completely throw me off balance. And I know that term is thrown around a lot, like life is all about balance and, yeah, you know, not restricting yourself because when you restrict yourself, then you binge and... See, all of exactly, these things. exactly. That's all that's out there. It's usually mm-hmm. all of the advice is for moderators. Yeah. It's for moderators. It's not for abstainers. Yeah. Because they, they make me sound tried. crazy. They make people like me sound crazy. And I've tried being an abstainer before. Like when I was doing the keto diet, I was abstaining from yeah. carbs. Yeah. And it gave me, you know, just me mentally, gave me such a terrible negative relationship with carbs and now that's changed. Yeah, that's awesome though. I mean, it just sounds like you, you know, let's say as a moderator, you just, you have to find out 
like you said, maybe the educational piece is there first. That's, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is to educate yourself on, for one, the dietary needs that you have as a person, you know, make sure that you know what your allergies are, um, make sure that, you know, if you're going to tolerate certain foods, whether it's gluten, whatever it is, you know, you need to educate yourself for your, you know, the, your body, but then also educate yourself on what foods are healthy and what is not. And then once you do that, then you can make a better game plan as to what to follow um, and all that kind of stuff. So now you have, like I said, I guess a better setup for yourself and now you're able to moderate. I would say for me, like awakening and seeing that I am an actual abstainer has actually helped me more so because it gave me clarity and made me realize that like what I'm doing is the right way because it's the right way for me. Like I said, most people are moderators and it seems like the culture is, you know, out there to help moderators more so and not the abstainers because like you said, it's all about balance and just having a, a life that just... But that's the thing is, you know, I think we hope for everybody to look inside themselves and, you know, realize what kind of person you are or what kind of person you want to be and then figure out how to, you know, achieve the life that you want. And that starts with just self-awareness, learning about yourself and then educating yourself, having the drive to educate yourself or seek it out. Yeah. No, 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 and absolutely. then make, make moves, make changes. Hell yeah, absolutely. Um, self-awareness, that is huge, 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 huge. And okay, so if you figure out if you're a moderator or an abstainer, which by the way, what you need to do is go to Google Type in moderator or abstainer test and figure out which one you are. It is a very easy test to take, very quick. It's not hard to realize which one you are. So once you do that, now you need to ask yourself more questions here. You need to figure out how much you really are eating for pleasure. Um, it doesn't matter if you're an abstainer or a moderator. This is something that is essential to know because if you are eating for pleasure for the majority, it is not a healthy, sustainable way to live. It is gonna cause you problems later in life. I can't say it's guaranteed, but for the most part, it's gonna do something for you, it's gonna, or do something to you. You know, whether it's blood pressure, your blood sugar levels, weight gain, um, whatever it's gonna do to your body later on, it's gonna happen if you continue to eat based off of pleasure for the most part. A way to think about this is, let's say you're at a restaurant or you are in the grocery store and you got your shopping cart. So let's say you're at the restaurant though and you got your you got your menu in front of you and you got the double cheeseburger with bacon and french fries or you have a nice really tasty grilled chicken with a side of asparagus and quinoa or something, right? You got a nice healthy meal at a restaurant. It's going to taste good. Okay, you got chefs working make to make this meal. It's going to taste good. But you got that double cheeseburger with bacon that you know is gonna make your taste buds go just it's gonna they're gonna party okay they're gonna have a party <laughs> inside your mouth so you get it you order it you order that double cheeseburger bacon you eat it oh my god it tastes so good and then afterwards well you don't feel so great anymore well maybe you do but it doesn't matter the long term the effects that it's gonna have on you is what i'm trying to say here if that is a common way of going about a decision for you if you were looking at an item this is very basic here but if you're looking at an item and you end up 
choosing that one because you know it's going to taste really good and it's going to satisfy your taste buds then you are eating purely for pleasure that is something that you need to become more aware of because it is just important to start eating more for nourishment that is what food is food is the energy source for your body okay food is what keeps you going it is the fuel source for every cell inside your body the fuel source for every organ for your brain your muscles everything in your body to function needs energy and the energy comes from food it's not coming from anywhere else all right so don't feed your body something that is literally disadvantageous something that is going to corrupt your body it's going to impact it in some way that you don't want it to and i know sometimes it's really hard to lose the sight of that because it's hard to look into the future or it's hard to look into what this food may actually do to your body because it it really is something that just builds up over time that double cheeseburger with bacon is not going to make an effect that's notice, noticeable right away not not even if you ate it every single day for a week I mean, you might start noticing a little bit of something, but it's just like people that go to college and they gain 15 pounds their first year. They didn't plan on that happening, but they lost sight. They lost self-control. They started drinking way too much and they started eating way too much. But I can guarantee you right now, if they gained that 15 pounds in the first two days, they would have stopped and they would have tried to reverse the effects and they would have stopped eating and drinking so much. But it happens over time. It builds up. So you have to try to take control now. You have to try to see what is going on every day when you put something in your body that is not for nourishment. Make a comparison. So if you go for a snack, you want something sweet. Something nutritious is an apple and something else that is sweet is a Rice Krispie treat. Yeah. That Rice Krispie treat is, is going to satisfy that sugar craving that you have but it's completely empty calories. It's doing nothing to fuel your body, whereas that apple is doing something completely different. Yes, yes, that is one very great example on two things that can be sweet, that have sugar in it, but you got one that's made with refined sugar, which is bad, that's gonna spike your insulin like crazy, which leads to blood sugar levels being thrown off, um, fat gain, or you have an apple that has natural sugar in it, which, yes, sugar is a great, energy source, a very fast energy source. It does digest very quickly. It can spike your insulin a little bit, but it's not going to do it in a way that refined sugar does. Um, you also don't have the necessarily like addicting effects that refined sugar does on the brain as um, natural sugar uh, with fruit. Also, just a real quick thing, some people can have deficiencies within their body that make them crave sugar as well. It's not just addiction. Um, we are off balance a lot because of the way that we eat in America, uh, the way that our foods are stripped of its nutrients. Um, we are often deficient of many things. So we do crave sugar a lot because of this reason. It's not just the sugar itself. So it is very important to understand that for yourself. How much are you eating for pleasure and nourishment? Back to the shopping cart at the grocery store, when you're, you know, you're, you're buying all of the food that you're about to put in your house. That's the most important part because you're home every single day. It's the food that you eat for the majority, uh, unless you eat out a lot, right? But 
you can do this right now. You can go into your kitchen after this podcast and look at your, you know, in your pantry, look in your fridge, look in your freezer and look at every single food that you have and see which ones are going to nourish your body or which ones you bought because of pleasure. Um, and maybe you don't have, you know, maybe you're not like extremely educated on uh, nutrition and what foods are good or bad. Okay, then you can take some of those foods and just Google the ingredients and you can find out yourself. Educate yourself then. But, a key, you know, a few things that I can tell you right now off the bat is cereals. Um, most cereals, like 85 to 90% of cereals that you are going to buy are not very, um, not very healthy. They're not going to nourish your body. Okay, most of them are just sugar. Most of them are just bad carbs and sugar um, for the majority. Uh, then, you know, you, got, you can look in your freezer and you can see that maybe you bought toaster strudels or egos or some processed foods, you know, quick made meals that you can heat up in the microwave in three minutes, highly processed. Uh, you can look in the, the pantry and see that you have Oreos or you have cookies or you have chips or anything like that. I mean, you for the at the basic level, you know what is healthy and what is not. So are you buying things? to satisfy your taste buds the majority of the time, or you buying something that is gonna fuel your body in a way that is healthy. And honestly, if you just start doing that more often, you're gonna see a huge difference in how you feel and how you look, your weight, um, the muscle tone, all of this stuff. If you just start eating more for nourishment, all of this stuff is just gonna happen. It, it's not about hardcore diets. It's just about eating natural. That is what it's about. It's about eating natural as how we once did as humans when we were hunters and gatherers. Like you don't have to be hundred percent strict, but it's, it should be, okay. It should be 80, 20. I'm just going to say that the 80, 20 rule. And that's something that I thought I came up with on my own, but I've been seeing it a lot on the <laughs> internet lately. <laughs> this, they copped your idea. Yeah. This, this honestly always happens to me, but <laughs> it's a good ratio though. It's a good ratio. In my opinion, it works for me. It might not work for everybody else, but it works for me. Even as an abstainer, I think 80-20 is a good ratio. Um, so I agree. for me, what it looks like is Monday through Friday, I'm eating very, 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 very strict. Okay, It is the meals that I cook at home, and they are the same foods that I've been eating for a very long time now. Okay, It's very basic. It's turkey. It is chicken, <laughs> some beef um, in, my, in my healthy carb sources like brown rice or quinoa and stuff like that. Okay, those are like my staples. All right, I eat those five days out of the week. And then here comes the weekend. I'm going to continue to eat that stuff, but I'm also going to go out. I'm going to go to like Chipotle or Zoe's or Bibibop. Okay, some, some place that is still healthy, at least moderately, but I'm going to enjoy a little bit of food, okay, for pleasure as well. Um, if you haven't heard about Zoe's, though, that's my number one spot. Go there. <laughs> Steak kebabs with salad and rice. Amazing. But... I'm not going to also like the 80 20 though for me is that doesn't mean I'm going to go on the weekend and just eat whatever I want because if I ate whatever I want on the weekend, that's going to throw away all the good that I did during the week because that is possible. You know, if I eat just crap all three or four meals for two days, that's not good. That's going to, that still can throw you off way off. So the 80 20 is just a, a, a nice percentage for you to look at and to see how it fits into your lifestyle. Uh, just a proper guideline to follow because honestly, now that I've been doing this for so long, it is just a, it is a lifestyle for me. It is a habit. I don't think about 80-20 anymore. I just eat the way I eat and it's just, it's a habit. So just find ways that are going to help you 
as a person, create a healthy habit and a lifestyle for you. Find out what works. Figure out if you're a moderator or abstainer first. So this is hard. This is a hard challenge to do as an American, especially. You know, I mean, we have been exposed. We have been exposed since a baby, since a child. All right. We have been drilled in our minds of these crazy, exotic, tasty foods, you know, just they're addicting and they just taste so good. And we have been living this way for so long now. Okay. So it's going to be damn hard to cut some of this stuff out or to change the way that you eat. But it's something that you have got to do if you care about your health, if you care about your body, if you care about longevity, how you're going to feel 20, 30, 40 years from now. Okay. You just have got to make a change if you need to make a change. And maybe not everybody needs to make a change. I'm just saying, you know you do if you do. <laughs> so, You know if you know. That's what it is. Diet is such a negative connotation that if you want to be healthy and change your habits, it's a lifestyle change. It's not a diet. Oh, yes. Absolutely. As a personal trainer... This is the veins that we go through. It is a lifestyle change, not something in the moment. It's not something to do for three months, even a year. It is something to figure out how to make it happen for the rest of your life. That is it. You just have to figure out what works for you. But you also have to stick to it. You have to be disciplined. And let me just go ahead and talk about alcohol a little bit um, because of, you know, it is a part of a diet. So I'm just, I just want to get into this a little bit because it is huge has a very dramatic effect for people, all right? And how it's going to cause you to gain weight or cause you to go downhill with certain things. Um, you can eat a lot of unhealthy foods because you're drunk, you know, all these kind of things, right? But are you a type of person that goes to brunch and orders a mimosa or two mimosas or three mimosas? Do you do that every time that you go out, let's say to lunch with your friends or to dinner with your friends, um, even a date or your family? Anytime that you socialize with people, are you buying an alcoholic drink? Um, and then ask yourself, why? Why are you doing that? Like, what is the legitimate reason to buy an alcoholic drink when you're out? For one thing, it's a lot of damn money. <laughs> I mean, that was the first reason that I never did it. Because I was just like, I don't want to spend $10 on a drink. Why would I want to do that? Besides the money, though, obviously that's not the point here, is it is unhealthy. Alcohol is one of the worst things that you can put in your body because of the way that it breaks down. Okay, it breaks down into a sugar so quickly, all right? And like I said, what sugar does in your body and what it does for the insulin, the blood sugar levels, all of this stuff, the, the, the breakdown in the liver, the adrenals, all of these things, okay, it just leads to fat gain quicker than anything else. I try to tell people this all the time. If you want to lose weight, if you want to get healthier, cut out your alcohol first. It is one of the worst things you can put in your body. Try to find, you know, try to find that out for yourself. How often are you buying alcohol and, and when you are drinking it? Are you drinking it every time that you go out with someone? Are you drinking it at every social event? Every Chiefs game you go to? Every party? Every wedding? Or any time that you go out with people and you're socializing, are you drinking an alcoholic beverage? But why are you doing it? Is it just ingrained in your body or your, your mind now? Is it subconscious? Is it just a social thing? You just feel like you need a drink in your hand? Or, or what is it? I can tell you right now that most of the time it's not going to be worth it. I understand why people drink. I've done it many times myself. Okay, it can be fun. But it's not worth it when, when it comes down to it. Like how much you're going to consume or 
just consuming it to consume it, right? You know, it comes back to like the restaurants and eating out or just being at a social gathering. There's no reason really to have a drink. There just isn't. It's going to be those calories that are going to just not go with the goals that you actually want to achieve. It's just a goal killer. That's what it is. Alcohol is a goal killer. It's the number one goal killer. All right. <laughs> um, you just got to figure out and be more aware of how much you are actually drinking and cut out as much alcohol as possible. Really, yeah. really. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shine. You're going to see the results instantly if you cut your alcohol out. Yeah. I mean, I used to drink a lot more than I do now. I hardly drink now. I'm in a relationship with you. You don't drink that much. I don't drink that much. I'm not dating anymore. Dating is was a drinking is a huge social thing that comes with dating I feel like and yeah I just don't feel the need to go out and get drunk anymore or having one drink does nothing for me yeah it might taste good in the moment but it's not it's not providing any sort of value yeah exactly there's a time and a place obviously it goes back to the 80 20 rule but yeah just to do it, just to do it, though, it's just, it's just, it's completely pointless. It's just not a good enough reason anymore. There you go. Or ever. Yeah. Yeah, but now <laughs> I you... I mean, times change. Being 28 years old, it's... That's not the truth, though. There's no, really, I, I see no difference when it comes to age, honestly. People continue to drink the way that they always have, honestly. I don't see any difference. And people love alcohol. Like, there's no, there's no difference there, really. It's just becoming more aware that, damn... This alcohol is starting to get to me. I should cut it out. Or you just continue to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it was just waking up hungover, even after two drinks, isn't worth it for it to completely throw me off for the whole next day or two days after. Even two glasses of wine, and trust me, I love wine, but two glasses of wine and I feel like crap the next day. Yeah, and I mean the the way the culture is now is it's wine is wine is very popular right now. It's very trendy. It's very trendy. I mean, come on, look at how much it is on social media and the internet. Yeah, I drink mean, some wine. You know, but it's drink some wine when you're when you're cooking in the kitchen. Drink some wine with some Netflix. Wine is cool. Well, you're associating it with pleasure, again. So you're drinking a substance to feel some type of way. Oh, yeah. I'm going to unwind from my day, so I'm going to have a glass of wine, which will chill me out. And That as well. That whatever. Is, that is another thing. Finding healthier alternatives to get your mind to unwind, to relax. You don't need to turn to alcohol. It's a depressant anyways. It's, it's, it's going to have some sort of reverse effect on you. Alcohol is a depressant. It is not a good source to lean on when you are in times of stress, anxiety, depression, whatever it is. You just, it's, it's easy to lean on and it's easy to use, but it is going to always end up better in your favor if you find a healthier alternative to relieve Which stress. also goes back to food as well. Yes, it's a comfort and all this kind of stuff, yes. How many times do we watch Netflix and reach for a snack? Or if you're sad, you reach for a snack. I'm very guilty of this. I used to do this all the time. Yeah. You receive no, no reward. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's really all that needs to be said about that. Is there is no true reward that comes out from these kind of things. You don't you don't get anything in return except for that little quick high that you get mm -hmm. in the moment. Am I eating because I'm hungry or am I eating because I'm bored? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So I just want to go ahead and wrap this up. 
Um, I want to end it off with, though, uh, just a, a couple things that you can do. One, go ahead and Google uh, moderator or upstander test. Figure out which one you are. Um, look inside yourself. Ask yourself some questions. Be more aware when you're eating and figure out how much and how often you're eating for pleasure or drinking for pleasure. So that way you can try to start making better choices, um, cutting things out um, completely or a little bit. Again, if you're an abstainer or a moderator, whatever works for you. And don't, again, don't ever let anybody tell you what works for you. That's never any, any way to go about things because they don't know what works for you. Only you do. So always make a decision on, on your behalf. Besides the understanding um, of how you can regulate food yourself or just creating habits for yourself, I just want you to take away this part again, and that is to eat as natural as possible. All right, eat what is real. Eat what comes from the earth because there is no failure in that. You will not fail if you eat that way. That's just how life is. <laughs> I mean, seriously though, we live on an earth where every organism has a purpose. The, the plants grow for a purpose. The fruits grow for a purpose. There are animals here for a purpose, okay? And they all are an energy source for us. Whether you're vegetarian, vegan, paleo, it doesn't matter. They're all food fuel sources. You can choose which ones to eat, but eat the real ones. Don't eat the fake processed ones. Stay away from those as much as possible and you will not fail. Start educating yourself. Look at labels, actually read the ingredients. Google things. Google is your friend. Educate yourself so you, you, so you know when you are being deceived or not. It is just very important to know what you're putting in your body. Take control for your own well-being. You will eventually reach a point to where you now fully understand what your relationship is to food. You will become a stronger, healthier human being. This is Modern Enlightenment with Joseph Grisafi. I will see you on the next one, and in the meantime, live well.